Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to Marketing Matchmaker. I am super excited today to have another guest. And so um, today's guest is Mara Walters. She's a copywriter and a content strategist, English sometimes. Um, <laughs> and she's also a business mentor, which I love the fact that she's actually helping people in multiple sides of their business. Um, Mara has actually spent the last decade in media and in as a magazine writer and editor, um, and she's officially launched a business in 2022. She actually took advantage of COVID so <laughs> to launch and grow her business. So thank you so much today for joining me, Maura. Um, I love content because I think it's so critical to audience, to, to building your audience, to growing your audience, right? And I don't think people really understand what content strategy is. So mm -hmm. let's start there. Like, what does that mean? Yeah. You know, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Um, yeah, content strategy, I think it is one of those really broad terms that a lot of people interpret differently. But for me, as someone who spent a decade telling stories, um, for, for me, content strategy, it's helping brands articulate their unique story, the things that makes make them so special across a variety of platforms. And there is always some thinking behind it. So we're not just throwing things at the wall to see what sticks. We're figuring out what is your why? Why did you start this business in the first place? What are you passionate about? How are you helping people? How does this product, this service make people's lives better? Those are the stories that we really like to articulate because people resonate with good stories. People want things to connect to. Um, so for me, content strategy means identifying those stories that make a brand really different and unique and telling them across a variety of platforms. So it's your website, which is super important. That's your Absolutely. number one sales tool that is working for you 24 seven, but that is also what stories are you telling on social media? You don't have to be everywhere, but it's good to be somewhere. What does your newsletter look like? Do you have a blog? And what kinds of stories are we telling there? So, you know, I'm I'm a real believer that the messaging should exist in a bunch of different places to reach a bunch of different people. I, I totally, I could, honestly, that is so true because <laughs> let's be honest, there's so much noise out there. There's so much information, especially on social media that people have to really see you sometimes a hundred times before they're ready to yeah. actually do anything with you, whether that's sign up for your lead magnet or buy your thing or, or whatever that next step is, they have to see it, see you so often and your content really becomes essential when it comes. Yeah. To and I'm so glad that you said that because it's actually a good reminder to me when I worry about repeating myself and sounding like a broken record on <laughs> Instagram, I realize that for, you know, the amount of followers that I have, which isn't much, you know, I have like 4,000 and change literally like the most, the, the, the highest amount of people that are seeing a story of mine in a given day is like, like 200, like maybe 300 right? if I'm having a good day. Yeah. So you really cannot articulate your message too many times. Um, yes. I think the trick is being creative and 
rope, roping people in, in a really compelling way. And that is something that I work really diligently with, um, with my copywriting clients on, like, you don't want your page to sound like everybody else's. You don't want to use generic language. Every single brand, every single person has a story to tell that is uniquely theirs. And that is what people care about. That is what makes people invested in your brand. Yeah. I mean, I think the the whole idea behind finding your why, like why are you mm. doing whatever it is you're doing yeah. becomes essential. <clears throat> if you haven't seen the Simon Schnick, you know, why video around Apple, it, it really does articulate very well why your why becomes like key because that's, that's really what people are going to connect with. They don't. Yes. Yes. Let's be honest. Most people don't really care all that much about you as a business owner. They care about what you can do for them. 100%. And when it comes down to finding your why, that helps us keep going. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I recently had an inquiry from a newly launched business and they have no problem getting people on their site. Like from an SEO perspective, like they are doing the thing, they're doing everything right, but no one is staying on their site and no one is buying their product. And it was so clear to me in looking at this page for two minutes that like, I do not know who this product is for, and I don't know why you exist. So you can have the best SEO in the world, but if you aren't really articulating that story and what you stand for and what you do to improve people's lives, they're going to be gone immediately. I always tell my copywriting clients, your business isn't really about you. Your business is about the people that you serve. Your business is about the clients that you want to attract. And we are always putting them front and center. We are always leading with the client, with the customer, et cetera. Yeah, I I completely agree with you. I mean, that's that's the whole premise behind marketing matchmakers all built around dating your ideal client. And that's because mm. your ideal client is is front and center. Like that's who sh- who you should be yes. um, focused on because you are just serving them. Yeah, and that is actually the first thing that I work on with clients. Like we, I, I really am adamant about having this discovery phase so that I can get a sense of like, yeah, not only why you exist, but who, who are you targeting? Like, who is your yeah. ideal client? How are you speaking to them? Where does this ideal client spend the majority of their time? Are they on Instagram? Um, do they like to read newsletters? Do they spend more of their time finding leads on LinkedIn? Like. All of that matters, and it is so important that you know who your target client is before, really before you do anything else, because it dictates how you talk to them, it dictates what you share, it dictates where you show up. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so I kind of alluded, you know, you started your business in 2020. Obviously, we were in the middle of a pandemic for yeah, most it was perfect of that timing. year, right? <laughs> So I love, again, I love stories. So tell us how you started your business, why you started a business and how you really got to six figures in that first year. Yeah, absolutely. Well, like many people who start their own businesses, I started mine under duress. I was let go from my job during the pandemic and I knew that I was really good at what I did. I knew that I was a really solid writer and I knew that I could help brands tell their stories. And I I took my first client literally while my daughter napped in her playroom. And I just like, I, I just started thinking 
I want to start articulating the stories of brands that I really care about, brands that are like primarily female founded, want to make the world better in some way. And I also know that I have this journalism background that I can fall back on. And I think leaning into the, the past experience and the stuff that I knew I was really good at, it truly informed my job as a copywriter and made me so adept at pinpointing the stories that were going to resonate with people because I spent a decade looking for good stories. So the secret, I think, to growing a business without burning out and without feeling like you have to say yes to everything is to come up with a high ticket offer, like a really high paying offer that is going to keep a client in your orbit that anticipates the needs that they didn't even know they had, which is why it is so important to listen to clients. A client can come to me saying that they just need a website, but if I am really listening to them, I know that they also need a real social media strategy. They also need a newsletter that converts people and helps helps them sell offers. They also need press releases, you know, and those are all things that I can do. So rather than, you know, I did start my career, of course, taking one-off projects, but I quickly learned that I want to scale this thing. Mm -hmm. I would much rather work for three long-term high-paying clients than do 10 website projects for low-paying clients. And so I started thinking about all of the things I was good at, not just website copy, how I could package that, how I could make that an offer that is going to solve numerous problems for people. And I guarantee like every person listening to this has a number of skill sets, a number of talents that they can apply to their clients into solving those problems. So I'm like all about the consulting offer. I feel like it is the holy grail for freelancers versus like the one-off flat project fee. I agree with you. I mean, I think that's for most solopreneurs, that's how you make money, right? It's not Absolutely. that, yes, you can DIY, have DIY programs and, and, you know, video trainings and all of that kind of stuff. And there are people out there making millions of dollars doing that. And where are they? Can you introduce them to me? I, so I, I, I actually them? can. I've, I've got a couple of clients that are, are making quite a bit of money oh my God. Things like that. And on the other side of that, the majority of people, especially when they're first starting out, in order to make that substantial fees are high ticket products, like high ticket items. Um, and I think it also yes. depends on you as a person, really. Like, is your yeah. ideal to work with one or two clients or do you want hundreds? Um, and can you exactly. scale your business or not? <laughs> so... Yeah. So, I also yeah. want to share another piece, another piece of advice that I learned the hard way. When I would have discovery calls with clients, they would tell me what their maximum budget was. Mm-hmm. And I would propose, like I would create a proposal that took that into account. And then I would offer two ways, two other ways that they could work for me for less money. And what do you think they always chose? They always chose they, less money. My they friend. always <laughs> chose less money. They always chose the cheapest money, the cheapest amount. So I have flipped that model on its head. And what the client tells me their maximum is, is my base level. That is the first option I give them of how we can work together. It includes a bunch of deliverables. It includes all the good stuff. And then I offer two 
higher tier ways of working together that are a couple thousand dollars more and then you know maybe five grand more than what they initially quoted me and quite often they will see the numerous services that are included in that package and what i can do for them on top of what i already what we already discussed and they will find that money so i would say always start with what they say their maximum is as your sort of minimum you know what I love about this conversation is that um, I was having an interview with a sales coach a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about discounting our mm. services and like the 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 really bad place that puts you in. Mm-hmm. This actually gives agree. it gives people a different perspective of like it's really important to give your clients what they need and then also while you're getting paid for it, and then also offering them those other options of we can still work together on bigger and better projects too. Yes. And it has been my experience that the good clients want the best value. They don't want the best deal. And those are two very different things. Yes. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I know for a lot of business owners, especially as they're just getting started, they are looking at working with anybody and everybody. They just want income coming in, which I get. Believe me, I get it. I've been there. Like, I think we've all been there. And when it comes to really creating a business model and a business that's going to be successful, it's about creating something that's sustainable for you and taking everybody and anybody is not. (laughs) No, it is not sustainable for so many reasons. And the biggest mistake I made when I was first starting out as a copywriter was marketing myself this way. Well, if it involves words, I do it. (laughs) That meant nothing nothing to anyone. And when I would reach out to my network, like they didn't know if I was looking for a website copy. They didn't know if I was looking for like editorial work in magazines. They didn't know if I was looking to write press releases. So, you know, it may seem counterintuitive, but actually having a niche and a specialty is so good and so valuable for your business. And as you do more and more of this work, your specialty is going to reveal itself to you. The questions that clients are asking you over and over again, like the services that they're coming to you over and over again, that is going to help you find your niche. So you don't have to take on everything and say yes to everything. That is like the surest way to make yourself crazy and to feel like you are never going to grow because you're so, so like stuck in the morass of these like projects that aren't good for you. Yeah. Yeah. So Um, it kind of on that same pandemic kind of topic, we Mm. obviously now are also in a recession or economic issues or what advice do you have for people on in that spot that are, are looking at, at a business and going, okay, how do I make money when no one wants to pay me anything? Yeah. Well, I mean, I actually think it's a really great time to be a freelancer because businesses, don't have to pay your benefits and they don't have to pay you the things that, you know, come with being a salaried employee. So I actually think that this can be a very good time. Um, When I have slow periods in my business, I always think about my future. So your present business, that includes your clients, that includes your workload. 
your future business is your marketing. Your future business is your newsletter. Your future business is those social media posts that you have just like been putting off and don't want to spend any time on. I think slow periods, which by the way, are completely natural. And I think we need to break free of this idea that like as freelancers, our work is always going to be consistent. And our work is always going Absolutely. to be, like, should be steady. Like we have seasons in the same way that the earth has seasons. Right. I've been doing this for three years now. And I know that my quiet season is the end of the year. Like there people are just like not hiring me for copywriting work in pretty much like in the majority of Q4. That is the time that I use to think about what new offer do I want to put out yeah. there? What newsletter content do I feel like could really resonate with people right now. What feelers do I want to put out? Um, it's probably time for me to send another email to my network saying I'm open for projects. Like the the quiet times are actually like really revelatory, I think, and and really, really useful in thinking about what you want that future business to look like. I love that. I love the the idea behind um taking some time in that quiet period. Because you're right, every business has its ebbs and flows, no matter how much marketing we do. I know in my business, July is like- the Dead, day. go on Every vacation. Yes, <laughs> everyone's on vacation. So while my marketing doesn't slow down, and I would never suggest anyone's marketing slows down, sometimes the business, like the sales calls, like maybe I don't have a ton in, in July. That's okay. Cause I know I'm not, you know, it's, it's not going to happen. And just having that period of time is, a, is really, yeah. important, I think business owners. Yeah, absolutely. And like, it's totally okay. You know, I think, I think when we get into panic mode, that's when we sort of get into trouble. Yeah. Um, you know, panicking about money, panicking about the next project, reaching out to anyone and anyone, taking on anything that comes our way, even when we know it's not right, even when it's not well-paying. I think that's how we get into a lot of trouble. So my, my best piece of advice as, you know, for freelancers is like, there are going to be months when you are making so much money and there are going to be months when you are not. And it is really important, you know, say I got a project where I was making like $10,000 a month for three months. I need to think about that payment over the course of 12 months, not right. Three. Yes. And use that to support my business and think right. about how is this going to support my business for the full year versus like, yeah, I'm rich for three months. <laughs> like, I don't have to worry about it. Like, <laughs> I... Like, I feel like I spent the first year of my business only operating month to month and never thinking like, but what do I need to make in a year? What are my annual revenue goals? Yes. Knowing what my annual revenue goal is and not just like what I want it to be, but like really like what is keeping the lights on? Like, how am I paying my mortgage? How am I paying the people that support my business? Like having a sense of the annual revenue goal dictates so much. It dictates my hourly rate. It dictates like the projects that I take on, what I need to make month to month, what I need to make quarter by quarter. And I think taking that bird's eye view is going to be so, so important for you in your freelance career. Yeah. Okay. I appreciate all of this free advice that you're giving to the audience <laughs> because oh, I- 
I well, I think some people just need to hear that sometimes of of just re reality when it comes to to business, right? Um, so we kind of touched on earlier. You said your biggest marketing mistake um, was kind of doing that whole reverse payment, like the lowest one. So do you have another one, another mistake that you've made in marketing that maybe is outside of, um, that you've, that you've done with presenting yourself or something along those lines? Hmm. Well, definitely not being specific enough. Um, you know, for a very, also for a very long time, so many, so much of my marketing efforts, like particularly around Instagram and LinkedIn were really like about me and about like all the things I've done and all the experience I have and, you know, all the like awards I've gotten and why you should hire me. And when I started treating my, specifically my Instagram account with like, who is going to care about this post? Is this post of service? Is this post useful? Right. Everything changed for me. Again, that goes back to this idea that your business like really is not about you. Absolutely. Or at least like your marketing should not be about you. <laughs> marketing should be about your ideal client. And I think making so much of my content about me and really not being specific either. Like, sure, it's fine to post photos of my kids. It's fine to like, you know, post photos of what I'm having for lunch. But I wasn't really using the tools available to me as like what they are. They're tools. Like right. Instagram is a marketing is an amazing marketing tool when Absolutely. you use it the right way. And that was like, yeah, that was a huge mistake of, of mine early, early on. Um, so I would definitely recommend, you know, every time you post, whether it's to LinkedIn or Instagram, or if like anyone here is on TikTok, if you're like a cool person on TikTok, um, <laughs> like, who's going to find it useful? Who's going to resonate with it? How is it, you know, reinforcing the things that you talk about and that you care about? Um, I, I think that that is just, you know, it's so useful to think about like the other person, the person on the receiving end of it. I agree wholeheartedly and really appreciate that breakdown for people. Um, I thank you so much for being on the show today. Uh, it's, thank you. It's been a pleasure. It's, it has been so much fun. And I think for our viewers, listeners, um, remember that content is hugely important. And if you're struggling to develop your content for whatever reason, whether that's video content or writing or, you know, whatever your reasoning is behind that, reach out to someone like Mara because they can help you, right? They can help you with the strategy. They can help you with writing. If you're not a writer, not all of us are, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes it really takes an outsider perspective also to see the things about your business that are really different and special and to help you articulate that message. So absolutely. Absolutely. So I will have more, all of Mars information in the show notes, reach out to her, learn from her. I can guarantee that your content will be better, which then helps you to grow your business, increase your revenue and scale your impact. We will tell you next week. (laughs) Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Marketing Matchmaker Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love to hear your feedback. Please head over to Apple, iTunes, 
and leave a review so we can hear from you. And if you are a coach, consultant, or online course creator who are looking to grow your business, increase your income, and scale your impact, connect with me at yourmarketingmatchmaker.com. I look forward to hearing from you.